Hello and welcome back to Running the Table, a podcast all about running and playing tabletop role-playing games. This episode, I have for you another story and subsequent discussion section, uh, but rather than taking a page from horror stories and discussing where everybody went wrong, I'd actually like to share with you one of my all-time favorite awesome stories. This is the story, and you may have heard this, of the All-Barbarian Party. It starts with the Dungeon Master saying, Okay guys, it's time to start the game. What are you, what are you all playing? I'm playing a Dwarven Barbarian. He liked booze a little too much and got kicked out of his mountain home. Okay, that sounds good. And what about you? Well, uh, I also rolled up a barbarian. He's a human, though, who's lived in the shadow of the same mountain his entire life, but never knew there were dwarves there. That's actually how me and the dwarven barbarian met. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess we can make it work. And what about you guys as the DM turns to his other two players? Three players, I mean. And all three of them all look at each other. Well, uh, we all rolled barbarians, too. The DM looks at all of us, then rifles through his notes for the next couple of sessions and throws away about half of it. Well, gents, let's fucking do this. And so began our all-barbarian campaign. So here's a little bit of backstory. The guys that we were playing with have been my friends for a long time now. They were the first people that I ever played D&D with, and it had been quite some time since I'd role-played with them. So, when my friend, who had usually been a player, suggested we all try and play again, we jumped at the chance. These are six of us, including the DM. Me, for the purpose of this story, uh, I'll be the human barbarian. Friend one, who is the dwarven barbarian. They will be Jay. Friend two will be T, friend three, who shall be G, and friend four, who shall be M. Now, I was usually the one to play the dex characters, rogues, rangers, and the like, so I saw the game as a chance to change up my playing style. However, we're all pretty bad at communication, apparently, and we're busy people, so we didn't really talk about the kind of characters that we'd be playing. So the day finally rolled around. We all show up on time with our dice and our character sheets, and we take our seats around the table. After the shock of the initial realization, we laugh it off and start playing. As I said before, we are pretty busy people, and so unfortunately we didn't have time for a session zero this round, but we knew each other pretty well. The Dungeon Master starts us off, so... The five of you are seated across from the adjudicator of the city. He gazes balefully at you. Jay says, I'm sorry, but my character's int score is seven. What do those words mean? We chuckle. Adjudicator is a man who make law. Balefully is angrily. Okay. The DM shuffles a sheet of papers between his hands and... Looking at you again, Balefur, angrily, 
He tells you that there are a number of criminals that need to be apprehended. He stands up and hands you the list. DM gave me a handwritten list of names, descriptions, reasons for warrant, and bounty amounts. I turn it over in my hand, staring intently at the paper from all angles, then turn to the DM. Thragnar can't read. We all giggle again. The DM sighs. So, who can? G raises his hand. My character can. He has an intelligence score of 12. We all look at him in disbelief. It's true. His name is Sir Grog, Esquire. He's a nobleman, of sorts. The DM puts his head in his hands. I really should have looked over your characters beforehand, but all right. Continue. G proceeds to read out the list of criminals while we listen, completely enraptured by his ability to read, which is a foreign concept to all of our characters. After a bit of bickering, we decide the first person we're going to track down is a horse thief who's set up camp a few leagues outside of town. Fast forwarding a bit. After a long ride out to the hideout of the horse thief, during which we praised Grog a lot for his astounding ability to read, we finally get to the cave system he'd been using. A little cliched, I know, but the DM is a fan of such things. We dismount and, after a few minutes of planning, decide that we're going to try and sneak up to the entrance. Well, the thief has a couple of sentries posted. Okay, guys, I have an idea. Let's disguise one of us as a tree and sneak up on them. We all agree that M's idea is fantastic. Fine. Roll, then. M rolls a disguise check and we assist him, giving him a plus four to disguise himself as a tree. He rolls a 13, which gives him a 17 on the roll, making a success. His roll to sneak, however, is another story. He rolls a six which takes a minus two because he's disguised himself as a fucking tree. The sentries noticed you. M, I cast sleep on them. We all look at M like he's gone bananas. J, you said you were a barbarian. I am. Just listen. He proceeds to tell us how his barbarian pulls out his arcane carved stick, waves it around chanting nonsense for a few seconds, then points it at the two guards, shouting, Sleep now! Both M's barbarian and the guards are perplexed. The barbarian because he doesn't know why the spell didn't work, and the guards because they don't know what the fuck is happening. So M's barbarian did the only thing a barbarian would possibly do in that situation. Get frustrated and bash them over the head with his quote-unquote wizard staff, knocking them out cold. We all love this turn of events, and even the DM cracks a grin at the creative role-playing. We decide that there's no reason for us to even attempt to sneak around inside the hideout, and instead opt to break down the door. We cleave and bash our way through plenty of baddies, eventually reaching the chamber of the horse thief. His chambers are draped in all sorts of cloth and chains, the DM says, with arcane scrawls adorning the walls. There are books everywhere, and atop a tall pedestal a skull with a pentagram on the forehead glares down at you with a malevolent air. He proceeds to read off 
a long, impressive speech by the horse thief about the coming of the end of all things. After patiently waiting it out, we initiate combat, quickly killing the fragile NPC and hack off his head and thumbs. Okay, let's get out of here, T says. But don't you want to look around some more? We already got everything of value out of this place. Let's just take off, says G. But what about his books? Dude, we're barbarians. What the hell are we going to do with books? The DM huffs, but can't really do anything to stop us since he abhors railroading. So we strike back out towards the town, severed head and thumbs dangling in a sack off the side of the horse. Over the course of the game, which unfortunately only lasted about a two dozen sessions or so, due to college getting in the way and respective jobs limiting our time, we collect each of these outlaws. And each time, they have pretty similar setups going. A seemingly mundane criminal in possession of a great deal of magical items. And each time, without fail, our simple minds would miss out on the connection, get distracted by shiny things and other MacGuffins, and fail to notify anyone of import about what was going on in these lairs. But I have to tell you, it was a hell of a ride. The dwarf was tossed on multiple occasions and in one instance ended up inside the guts of a giant. He proceeded to hack his way out through his body, cut the heart out of it, and burst out of his chest, screeching, then take an enormous bite out of the still-beating organ. We were all a bit more afraid of him after that. Probably my finest moment in combat uh, occurred during this campaign as well. We were fighting a group of greater bar guests, and I had just been disarmed. Not about to lay, lay down and let these things eat my face, I rolled a 19 on a strength check to grab the nearest one by the tail and swing it about, bashing the other bar guests into the negatives. I wasn't content with just that, though. There was still one standing after that, and so I rolled a nat 20, and, in a scene straight out of Dorffort, tossed the bar guest through the other bar guest. But, I digress. Despite our best efforts to continue meeting, the time finally came when our boisterous group of brawny barbarians was to disband. We'd proven our worth a hundred times over to the townspeople, so they were awarding each of us with a small parcel of land, and a good deal of gold. Sir Grog would finally be a real lord with real peasants and real holdings, and Urist Meadbeard, the dwarf, could have his very own genuine dwarven tavern to destroy every night in a drunken rage and then build back up again in the morning. Thragmar was not content to settle down, and so he planned to sell the land, get an even bigger axe with the money, and find the legendary plain of Isgard, where he could fight, drink, and wench for all eternity. He eventually got there, but that's another game entirely. Rolf became the most famous muscle wizard in the land, and planned to use his gold land and influence to start a school for his unique brand of magic. But fate, the DM and our good friend Jay had other plans. His grin was absolutely malicious as he sat behind his screen and described the calamity that befell us as we were awarded our holdings. It was as if he'd finally found a way to get back at us for derailing his campaign so completely, so spectacularly, that there was no way in hell he was going to finish the way he'd planned to. 
so we decided to try the next best thing. Kill all our characters. What it boiled down to was this. Each of the outlaws had been part of the same malevolent cult, seeking to resurrect a forgotten beast which slumbered beneath the township. Its name had been lost to the ages, but pictures had survived, and some bright bulb decided he wanted to see this thing firsthand. Fortunately for us, the cultists had mucked up their spells without being able to figure out how to get the spell to activate. Unfortunately for us, behind our backs, Jay and the DM had conspired to make Jay the final piece of the puzzle, which would awaken the slumbering monster and, hopefully, kill us all. As you stand atop the stage, says the DM, cheering throngs of townspeople all around you, you're suddenly all jostled out of the way. Jay, I shove the party aside and toss the mayor away from the pedestal. Fools, you come here on this day for celebration, but I am here to tell you that this day heralds your doom. With those words, I draw my longsword and plunge it through my own heart, falling off the stage onto the ground in front of it. Our fucking faces. The ground quakes and begins to fall apart, a great groaning and gnashing of teeth rising up from the cracking earth. Two hundred yards away, an entire section of the town disappears, sliding beneath the ground as something massive stirs. Moments later, from within the bowels of the earth, the unnamed one rises, its many tentacles whipping about its head in a frenzy as its eons-long slumber finally ends. The townspeople scream and panic, running in every direction in their primal fear. Women and children scream and cry, the old and weak are trampled underfoot, and men go mad at the sight of such a monstrosity. It opens its seven gaping maws, looses a mighty roar, and begins charging towards you. Roll for initiative. Again, our fucking faces. We all roll reasonably well. I get a 16, and M gets a 15, and G gets a 19, and T rolls a 13. Unfortunately, the DM knew we'd do fairly well on our initiatives, so to counteract the penalty to initiative that massive creatures take, or at least took in 3.5 edition, he stacked improved initiative on the monster, something like five times, and it went first. Luckily, he gave us this round to prepare, as it would take at least two turns for the beast to get over there to where we were. We went into a quick huddle, made our plan, and stood our ground against the charge. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to be beset upon by a kraken while you're armed only with a great sword of magic power and dubious origin? How about if that kraken was on land, could cast several level 3 spells as abilities, skewing both materials and somatic components, and did 3d10 plus 35 damage per swing? That's what it was like fighting this monster. I tell you, if we hadn't plundered an amazing amount of gold from each of the hideouts due to DM, Fiat, and Treasure Generation, we wouldn't have stood a chance. As it was, we were getting pummeled, and we needed to end it fast. 
So T passes me a note. I look at him and solemnly nod my head. All right, the round passes to you. What are your actions? I turn to Urist, who grabs my forearm as I grab his. I just want you to know, t'was the greatest honor I never knew fighting alongside you. I feel tears well up in my eyes, and I see them welling up in Urist's too. I hand him my portable hole, and he takes out his bag of holding. Now toss me, you sodding moron. One last time. The DM looks stunned. Roll. Roll strength. I rolled. I wish I could say it was a natural 20 because by cord Urus deserved it. But it wasn't. It was a 19. With my strength modifier and the feat from Complete Warrior that lets you toss things better, that added up to a 31. I spin Urist around, tears streaming down my face into my beard as I do so, and toss him into the gaping maw of the unnamed one. T, the round passes to you. You take 23 points of crushing damage and 47 points of acid, acid damage, which brings you down to 3 hit points. I put the portable hole in the bag of holding. The DM looks at us. Then at his note, then leans back in his chair. A portal opens up, sucking you and the unnamed one into the astral plane. We all passed our strength checks to avoid being sucked through miraculously. Everyone was quiet for a few minutes after that. The DM looked as if he was cycling between pure, unadulterated fury and helpless adoration at the defeat of his big bad evil guy. Jay just looked sullen. He wanted us to die with him, not defeat the monster in such an epic way. The town built a statue to memorialize Urist for his sacrifice. To this day, the township and the other party members like to think he's on some better plane, one with lots of booze and fighting. I know better, though, because, as it turned out, he was. But like I said before, that's a story... For another day. Okay, just just wow. This is such a fun story. And it's truly one of those stories that really can get you hooked into the idea of playing tabletop role-playing games. And D&D especially, because that's where it's set. Uh, and there's just a couple things that I really want to call out here. I know that there's some issues with how things might have been handled. Or there might even be some things that, if they'd been taken too far, could have been problems. But first, let's start with what went really well. These people wanted to play barbarians. They wanted to do an entire group of barbarians. And the DM's response was, all right, let's do it. And that's exactly the kind of response that I would like to see from many DMs. It's not a, ooh, you're going to mess up the story I'd written. It's all right, that sounds like you guys really want to have fun. It'll still work kind of within the bounds of what I want. Let's just do it and have a good time. And that's what it sounds like happened. Even all the way at the end when the Dungeon Master wanted to kind of do a TPK with the assistance of another player, the campaign was already ending and they knew that it was just going to be the end. So that even then, that didn't seem like a misstep. 
he wasn't upset. He was somewhere between like, you guys really kind of messed up the story I wanted to tell, took it in a different direction, but I'm amazed with where you took it and how fun it was. I would love to hear this story from the Dungeon Master's perspective and see if kind of what I'm attributing to them holds true. But from what I can see of uh, the story is it definitely does seem like the DM was more than happy to play along with what was going on here. And that's kind of what you have to do. Uh, so this is a great example of how to kind of play into what your characters and your players want to do and are doing and to make that fun for everybody. Uh, and speaking of the TPK at the end, I've, I've often spoken, I believe, of the idea of punishing your characters. This doesn't seem like a punishment, even if it was phrased like it might be that way. It seems more like a way to go out with a bang. You guys did 12 whole sessions of this. I'm just going to throw something impossible at you. And... Even then, when they came up with a way to defeat it, a creative solution, a way around something that he had made to be roughly overpowered, he let it happen. There was no hemming or hawing or, oh, well, it, it does this thing that makes it immune. No. They came up with a clever solution, and it worked. It worked through sacrifice, but the game was ending anyway. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have even come this far. And, hey, they role-played well as characters. They took things maybe a little too far in the humor category, but that seemed to be the kind of game that they wanted. And the DM again rolled with the punches. This kind of game is an example to be held up. There are missteps, as I said, you know, TPKs or not having a session zero. But I think that they can be forgiven with just how much the Dungeon Master leaned into what the players wanted and the fun and let them roleplay in a non-intrusive but fun and imaginative manner, even if it was non-traditional roleplay. Ultimately, I, I highly recommend that you, if you're looking at running a game, you follow kind of how this character talks about their DM. They may have attributed some emotions to them, and I may have attributed some emotions to them, but the DM is never an obstacle or an opponent. The DM is somebody who's there playing the game with them, and they're just kind of taking on a larger role, helping out as they and the players tell a story together. Now, this story ultimately ends with the sacrifice of Urst as he takes down the unnamed one. But again, it seemed a little premeditated. He had discussions with his players. He worked in how to make things fun and playable. And even had they lost and trampled, and tried everything, and even thrown the dwarf, and the dwarf just happened to die and not be able to take in uh, the, the monster with it, there could have been a good story as they went down swinging, and hey, that was the end of the campaign. Thanks for playing, guys. All in all, 
I would say that this group of all barbarians is actually one of the better groups to play D&D that I've read a story about in, well, really ever. I mean, there's the archetypical stories that are really fun as well, but this whole thing just could be held up as an example of how to roll with the punches and how to roleplay in a fun and non-traditional way. Well, I hope that you all enjoyed listening to it, and I hope that you kind of agree with me, or at least maybe learned something a little bit about how to present things to your players, or how to deal with when your players come in with unexpected roleplay or uh, situations as a DM or GM. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, but as always... Uh, If you have any questions or suggestions or a story that you would like read aloud on the air and discussed, uh, please send them to rttpodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at runningthetable on Twitter. I'll read them either way, and I will see what we can do to get them added into the show. All right. Well, thank you again for listening, and I hope that you all enjoy running your own tables.